The following is an analysis, interpretation, and summary of James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Chapter 2. Habits Shape Your Identity This chapter right here in Atomic Habits is probably one of the most valuable ones. It's the one where everybody who I know has read this book has said this is... The things that they learned here is like one of those huge light bulb moments that they were like, wow, that, the way he phrased that, the how he said that, like that's, that's changed the way I approach and look at X and Y, which we'll talk about. So let's get into it. Most people build outcome-based habits instead of identity-based habits. We talked about this in chapter one, where a lot of people just set goals, but goals are kind of pretty useless without the systems and habits behind them. The problem here is the direction of change. Instead of focusing on the outcome so much, we should focus instead on who we want to become instead of what we superficially want. True habit change is identity change. So we'll talk about belief systems right now. Your beliefs must be reflective of your goals. People set goals without considering the beliefs that govern their actions. Behind every system of actions are a system of beliefs. Are your beliefs congruent with your goals and processes? You may want to save X amount of money and have a pro- you have a process to get there. But if your identity and belief system is one of overconsumption, And it's always keeping up with the Joneses, the next best thing, got to have the latest this, the latest that. And you're spending money out of convenience instead of being disciplined in the day-to-day. You're going to continue to be pulled into spending more than earning and saving and investing. If you want to be healthier but believe in comfort over discomfort, you're going to prioritize not exercising. You're going to prioritize the path of least resistance. The undisciplined action. So it's very hard to change your habits if you don't change the belief system that got you to the place where you wanted to change. So it is a psychological transformation of character and molding of character that is needed often to occur in actual, in order to actually create sustainable change. Maybe you can sum up the motivation and inspiration to get some progress in the short term. But often people falter and wane and don't last with their habits in the long run. is because they haven't actually changed who they fundamentally are. Their beliefs, axioms and values and identity thus have not changed to reflect the new person they want to be. So when we form habits... It must form a part of your identity if it is to truly last and be effective. You must assimilate it into your operating system, like you're installing a program. Here is the difference. It's one thing to say, I'm the type of person that just likes nice things. I like new things. I'm the type of person that wants this. Versus, I am the type of person that is this. We'll give some examples in a second. But the more pride that you have in a particular aspect of your identity, the more disciplined you will be to maintain the habits that are associated with it. See, pride can be quite useful here. You can take it to your advantage. So your behavior is a reflection of your identity. 
So are you prideful about your character, about who you are? Do you take pride in how you are perceived to the world? In how you perceive yourself? If you do, that may be enough to inspire change in the areas you need. A person who incorporates exercise and being healthy into their identity doesn't have to convince themselves to train and eat healthy. When your behavior and identity and belief system are fully aligned, you are no longer pursuing behavior change. You are simply acting like the person who you already believe yourself to be. That is the thing. You are behaving like the person that you already agreed to, that you already think you are. So, who do you want to be? Who are you? You see, there's a difference between I'm the type of person that wants to get fit. I'm the type of worst person that wants to get in shape, to be healthier. I'm the type of person that I want to make more money versus I'm the type of person that doesn't miss days. I don't miss training days. I train every single day. I seek physical discomfort every single day. And that's the thing. That's part of my character. Seek physical discomfort daily. So I don't need discipline to get up and go to the gym or run or sauna. Almost no discipline is or motivation is exerted for me to do those things. You see, it's so assimilated in my character that I take tremendous pride in the attainment and pursuit of physical, psychological excellence. I'm the type of per- I'm that type of guy. And so I'm that type of guy who doesn't miss days. So if I'm the type of guy that doesn't miss training days, all of a sudden, that makes everything else easier in regards to my physical health. I don't have to, I don't have to think about going. I just set, I just set a time and a schedule and I go. I know where, when, and how. Cuz I'm that guy. I'm that type of person. I'm that type of person who will overdeliver and give you more. So that means I'm not counting the minutes in the session I'm coaching you necessarily like a doctor's appointment. So it's going to reflect my habit. So how could your behavior and belief system align better? How could you be that type of person? How could you, instead of just, I want to be, maybe you want to be less selfish. Maybe you want to give more. How do you be the type of person that is giving? Many of us reinforce small, insidious beliefs without even knowing it. We say things like this all the time. I'm terrible with directions. I'm not a morning person. I'm bad at remembering people's names. I'm always late. I'm bad with technology. I'm bad at math. Shut your mouth. This automatic negative thoughts that permeate our brain uh, affects all of us. We all have insecurities and faults, weaknesses and flaws. You see, you're affirming that identity. Oh, you're the type of person that's terrible with directions. Okay, what if you weren't? Who would you have to be to not be? 
Okay, maybe maybe you just because like I was gonna say it. Maybe someone could describe me like that. So what could I do? Well, I could. Who would I have to be and how would I have to change myself to be the type of person that's great with directions? Well, let's look at people who are great with directions. What do they do? Well, they're aware. They're aware and conscious of their environment. They read street signs. They don't just let the GPS take them to places, but they, they make an effort to recite and remember the route. They're not mindlessly transporting themselves, but they're actively transporting themselves. They're engaged in the process of transportation. Okay, that's one example. I'm not a morning person. Well, what habit could you associate with being the morning that could make your morning just a little bit less hellish, a little bit better, so you could be a little bit more of a morning person? I don't get this morning, afternoon, night, night person stuff. Like, I'm a life person. What if you had great energy all day? That's that. Why, why is that like some golden goose to chase? That is now. It's like, oh man, wake up tired. I need like three coffees and I have another coffee at midday and then like a stimulant. Maybe I'm on anti, uh, some sort of like uh, uh, psychotic medication for my, my mental instability. That's real, right? But like, who, could, who would you have to be for that not to be the case? What, could you ha- what would you have to change about your environment? Okay. Not a morning, okay. Well, what are morning people like? Well, they probably let some light into their room the first thing they do. They're probably, a lot of them, a few of them probably go outside in the sun and the light and they, for a couple of moments. And it makes them feel good just for a second. So it gets them up a little bit more into a morning person. I'll continue. See, when you've repeated any one of the stories to yourselves, any story to yourself for years, it's easy to slide into the mental grooves and accept them as a fact. In time, you begin to resist certain actions because that's just not who I am. Whether you do that subconsciously or consciously, there's internal pressure to maintain your self-image, your identity, and behave in a way that's consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself. See, this is how we can trap ourselves into staying stuck in negative, destructive habits and ineffective, destructive identities. See, we want to maintain our self-image, but okay, what if you reframed it and you're like, no, you have a positive connotation with changing yourself. What if there was a connotation with like, because there's an internal pressure that we get with our self-image. Like, we want it to be consistent. And, you know, we can't have our self-image and identity changing every single day radically. Otherwise, we'll be all over the place. We'll be akin to, like, someone who's bipolar, right? So there's an element of consistency that we need to have about our beliefs and who we are and our identity. But what if you associated change with something more positive? What if you embraced... What if you embraced changed? And approached it with love and a full embrace, like you would a good meal. Uh, what if you saw change in a way that was akin to a seedling that needs fire to break it apart and open up? You know, we get that in Australia a lot. Like we have a lot of it's all over the world, really. But like the bushfires, like there's a there's a necessity and a, and a natural uh, benefit to bushfires is they allow the regrowth 
of new and birth of new plants and seeds that wouldn't necessarily get the chance to proliferate without the fire. What if you were the seed and the fire was the challenge and adversity of life? What if you looked at life like this? What if death and pain and suffering was no longer something to fear, but something to be embraced? Because you are the seed that then grows stronger. And so this is the biggest barrier to behavior change, is this identity conflict. Good habits can't, can make rational sense, but if they conflict with your identity, you will fail to put them into action consistently. This is why you can get too attached to one version of your identity. Progress requires unlearning, death and rebirth. And I really like what Seth Godin said on this. So this is a separate from the book here. Tomorrow when you wake up, you probably won't feel like doing the thing that you said you were going to do. But if you do feel like it, you probably won't feel like doing it the next day. The point is, what we do once is decide. For example, we decide that we are a runner. Thus, runners go running every day, very consistently, set number of times a week. We decide we're a writer or a comedian. Well, writers write. Comedians write. They get up on stage. And that decision of deciding of who we're going to be and who we are lightens the cognitive load dramatically because there's no time to negotiate with ourselves because we've already had a meeting. We've already decided what we're going to do by virtue of an agreement of who we are and who we want to be. Now the question is not should we go do the thing? Should I exercise? Should I write? You know, should I go on that date night? The question is should we go left? Or should we go right? How far do we go? But we know regardless, we are going and doing the thing because we've decided who we are. I'm someone who trains. I'm someone who eats healthy 80-20. Like eats whole nutritious nutrient-dense foods like majority of the time. I'm someone who trains every day. I'm someone who runs. I'm someone who prioritizes their health, wellness, psychological, physical health as a main priority in their life. I'm someone who continues on the pursuit of excellence through all the things that I do and dedicate myself to in my life. I'm someone who does deep reflection. I'm someone who forces themselves to, to, to say sorry and admit when they're wrong because... Because I don't want to lie to myself. You know, well, I could keep going on. It's like, who are you? Like, who are you? Who do you want to be? Who are you becoming? Like, I think we all need to ask ourselves this. It's like, oh, I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to read. It's like, oh, I'm a reader. I read every day. Who would you have to be to be a reader? Oh, so a reader is somebody who reads consistently. You know, a good husband, a good wife is somebody who prioritizes dedicated blocks of time of engaged, active, present listening and engagement and communication with their significant other. You know, the list goes on. 
So here's a two-step process to changing your identity to close out this chapter. The most practical way to change who you are is by changing what you do. This is what I was alluding to before. As I was saying, like, who, what do people who are those types of people do? Decide the type of person you want to be. Number one, what do you want to stand for? What principles and values do you want to uphold? People usually don't know how to answer these questions, but they do usually know what outcome they want. Work backward from your results you want and ask yourself, what characteristics does a person who is living that life and is accompanying that task have? Work backwards. Think of someone who is already doing what you aspire to do. Who did they have to become to acquire that? Who did they learn of? What did they do? What values and habits and systems did they cultivate? Who is the type of person who could write a book? Likely someone who is consistent and reliable. So now your focus shifts from writing a book, which is the outcome, to someone who has the values associated with someone who is consistent and reliable. So then how can you be more consistent and reliable? The book's then going to write itself once you become consistent and reliable. But if you are not consistent and reliable, how are you going to write a book? Or how are you going to write a book relatively easy? Because now it's a lot easier if you're consistent and reliable. How are you going to be a good partner to your significant other if you're constantly pessimistic and looking at the world with a dark, gloomy lens? Who is the type of person who is healthy and active? Likely someone who is in effective time management and disciplined. So now your focus shifts to cultivating those characteristics. How can you manage your time better? You should probably get a calendar. You should probably block out certain times and days to which this is non-negotiated time I dedicate to myself. What would a healthy person do? When you're going out to a restaurant, you know, just looking at the menu. Hmm. Okay, I could pick this very calorically dense, high-fat, processed option. Or I could pick, well, what would the healthy person do? What would, you can, you can really articulate it into, what would, well, what would, uh, I don't know. Dr. Rhonda Patrick do? What would she pick? What would Dwayne Johnson pick? Well, if it's Sunday, Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's probably picking a big old cheat meal. Well, I'm not Dwayne Johnson, am I? I don't. Maybe I can scale it back to me a little bit. Like, what would X person you admire do? Like, really, like someone you actually really admire. And then, like, put yourselves in their shoes. And maybe that can be a little bit of a cue to optimize a better response. And then, eventually, you become that type of person. So you're no longer thinking of them. You are that guy. You are that girl. What would a healthy person do? What would X do? Someone who, like, then by doing it, you eventually become that person. So you have to prove it to yourself with small wins and daily one percenters. So here it is. The focus is on becoming a type of person you need to become instead of getting a type of outcome. The first step is not what or how or who. It's who do you want to be? Well, the first step is not what or how, but who, excuse me, who do you want to be? So who do you want to be? You got to think about it. Sorry, like we can talk about it right now and you can listen, you can get excited. You'd be like, oh, that, that really makes a lot of sense. But just, you just got to, hold. sorry, you just got to sit there and just think about it. You got to write about it. So do it, do it right now. Just screw the video. 
Screw the podcast. Like, do it now. Like, sit down, reflect, analyze. Who do you want to be? You don't know who you want to be? Who do you admire? What characteristics do they have? Maybe what happens if you're a bit more like them? See what happens. Lastly, the real reason habits matter. Habits are not about having something, but about becoming someone. They are the channel to which you develop the deepest beliefs about yourself. You become your habits. Your identity emerges out of your habits. Every action is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Your identity emerges out of your habits. Every action is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. So with the actions you're doing, voting for the things and the person that you want to become. Is that cigarette you pick up? Are those friends that you see? Is that food you eat? Is that routine you have? The type of vote that you want to give for the person that you are becoming. That is chapter two, how habits shape your identity. Next video will be chapter three, are the four steps to better habits. And if you want to stay tuned to all other future book summaries, deep dives, you can subscribe, go to the podcast on all podcast platforms if you just want to listen or go to my website or medium.com where you can find the transcribed versions of these videos up there. See you in the next one. Thank you.